COVID seems to have woken up early and eaten its Wheaties because it's raging in Kentucky. We'll talk about bringing it back under control. Also, apparently, there's a lot of people who hate Kentucky. Seriously, what's to hate? We'll talk about it next on the Access Louisville podcast. Stick around. For joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Chris Larson. Hey, hey. Marty Finley. How's it going? And Brooke Timmons. Howdy. Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week, we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on the city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'll start this show off the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. So guys, we had a story this week on LouisvilleBusinessFirst.com about the most hated states in America. And I was floored to learn that Kentucky is number seven and Indiana is number eight. I would just like to say this. This is the list we top. Like I know. It's never like anything good. But yeah, this one. Sorry if everybody heard my dryer buzz there. Um, uh, but yeah, this home life. Yeah, it's with fucking remote. I'm doing some logic. Um, uh, this one, yeah, we're number seven and eight, and I'm and and this. Right, so basically, the list was from something called Best Life Online, uh, which is uh, you know just one of those kind of fun websites out there that uh, make these type of lists. And the methodology methodology they used was to um, look at how many people have moved out of a state. And then also look at how many people live in uh, neighboring states that have rivalries. Like, so Tennessee people hate Kentucky and Indiana people hate Kentucky, um, according to this survey. And, uh, and that way, so we have two states hating us, so we're one of the most hated. Um, so anyway, I thought it was kind of, it it's kind of silly, really. I, I, d- I didn't really put much stock in it, but I was just wanting to talk about it and see if there was a state that you guys hate um i i'm not i don't hate thrilled with i don't really hate like <laughs> i don't hate anything um but i do have this like joke with some of my friends about the state of florida and how oh, yeah. sometimes it's awful so um i would say if there was a state that i joke on a lot Maybe not hate. I joke on a lot. It would be the right. state of Florida. I don't hate my crazy cousin who gets into trouble, <laughs> but that's Florida in terms of states. It's like the crazy cousin that's like, oh, what's he up to now? You're like, what did you do? <laughs> like, I like, I don't mind a beach every now and then. Disney World is fun. Honestly, uh, I got family down there. I, I, I like do too. <laughs> I, have a, I have family and friends down there, but Florida is that like crazy and we, cousin. And we joke they're the Florida man's. So <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. a good one. <laughs> it's not, but anyway, Marty, you used to live uh, down in uh, down near Tennessee, and like I don't think in Louisville there's much of a Tennessee rivalry, but down there, right? I mean, people people really yeah. hate Tennessee. Well, it's what I hate the the Tennessee Volunteers or the, yeah, probably it's the a co- it is college rivalry. Every because, because one thing Kentucky it, fan. Well, yes, <laughs> that. But actually, I would say. Uh, uh, people in southeastern Kentucky, southern Kentucky actually love the state of Tennessee because 
they kind of live in Gatlinburg when they're not in Florida. That's like the two places everyone goes is Gatlinburg and Florida. If they're feeling Myrtle exotic, Beach. Myrtle Beach. Yes. Myrtle Beach, yes. <laughs> and more specifically, it's the panhandle of Florida that they go. Yeah, yeah I've heard that too. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to go any farther than the Panhandle. Dustin, <laughs> Panama City. <laughs> exactly. I know occasionally venture down to Daytona, but uh, that's about but that's, that's, that's a wild weekend. <laughs> so, Chris, um, any states yeah. that you hate? Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, Marty. Yes, but I want to just take a second and highlight the fact that Utah is near the end of the list of the most not hated states. Idaho was the not most hated state. Utah was just behind them, just by a little bit of the not hated state. Oh, that's nice. That's got to make you feel good, right? It's, you know, it really does. But there's a neighboring state that I just, again, don't necessarily hate, but every time anybody talks about it, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Is it Nevada? No, because Nevada has gambling, and everybody loves everyone in Utah who uh, – whether they want to admit it or not, likes the gambling and casino life, has to go to Nevada. They have to go to Vegas, or they have to go to Reno. Or there's another itty-bitty town that's kind of north in Nevada that I can't remember. Um, Wendover. You, you have to go to Wendover if you want to hit the, uh, you want to hit the slots. So Utahns love, love Nevada. But the state that I love to hate on is Wyoming. Wyoming. Why? Because why? <laughs> why? 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 It's right why there in the name. So why? 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 Exactly. It's in the name. So real true fact, there are about two times more cattle in Wyoming than there are people. And Wyoming is probably one of the more podunky states like out there. Like if you look at all the Midwestern states, they all have like either a capital or other large city that's kind of developed into kind of an urban jewel among, you know, whatever right you know kind of rural you know and not not say anything wrong about rural but there's a lot of rural awesomeness out here in the midwest but even wyoming doesn't necessarily have that kind of cool urban gem but i what think that that's why cattle. people are flocking to wyoming like places like wyoming and montana right now is it's that like untouched like portion of america mm. and they're wanting to do the hikes and explore and go to the parks because and then they leave because they realize i can't live here because there's nothing out here well they like, just visit no one wants they just doesn't visit. Even have a million people living in it they have you know ballpark like almost six hundred thousand people and compare it to other states it's not growing no one's moving to wyoming because it's great because it's not i like cows more than i like people so i might like wyoming <laughs> okay. cows have I'm never done anything favorite. wrong to me but I, w- I have to give wyoming another another i do have to give it its props in utah you can't buy certain fireworks so people just absolutely flood out of the state of utah into wyoming just to get across yeah, the border because that to buy those like, fireworks and bring them back that oh, un- yeah. like it's that unregulated land like they do whatever in no man's land over spirit. in wyoming <laughs> yeah there's some other it's either tennessee or north carolina or i guess georgia right there where those three states come together i think tennessee has all the crazy fireworks stands and then everybody from the other two states comes and gets yes, the fireworks it is. From tennessee. and there is a place there's this weird place where like tennessee and georgia touch that has this like massive uh fireworks store I, I have been by this fireworks store yeah because like I, i've you, driven to florida many times and yeah passed through chattanooga where all those states are coming together yeah so yes it's a uh yeah fireworks on the border um my wife likes to joke she's mean she likes to joke that uh indiana or jeffersonville is mostly fireworks stands 
Your wife chase. and I would totally get along with you to hang out. <laughs> Sarah, give me a call. <laughs> but um, but I say, you know, there's more. There's more to it. There's only a few fireworks stands in downtown Jeff. <laughs> I can't remember. There's no, still... downtown Jeff is fun, and they've done a lot in the development. Oh yeah, recently. downtown it's Jeff a, it's feels a like place. a feels like a resort town now. I mean, with all the fun restaurants and stuff on Spring Yeah, Street for and, sure. And what is that? I guess that would be Riverside Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it feels, it, I love it down there. I mean, compared to when I worked um, uh, for News and Tribune in Jeffersonville, I worked there for like six years. I mean, there's just so much happening in Jeff compared to, you know, 10 years ago when I worked in that area. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, anybody else have anything else to say about states they hate? I'm, yeah, I'm going to launch California for a little, little bit. Yes. What was that, Marty? <laughs> I was going to say I was going to take a just launch a vicious attack on Delaware. <laughs> F Delaware, because <laughs> no one talks about Delaware for any reason. So I know that's, that's every it company is, it is, is kind based. of like a forgotten state. <laughs> just start hating it for no reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't hate any states. I, if, the state I have the most problem with is probably Kentucky. I feel like we do a lot of things backwards around here. Um, but that's more of that's that's don't hate it. I just want to see it improve. Yeah. But there's that famous quote that says, I've never met a Kentuckian who wasn't either thinking about going home or actually going home. I think that's true. I mean, if you're from <laughs> Kentucky, it has like this place in your heart. That's true. It's got its charm. I just think some of the, some of the, you know, like cultures a little, um, a little too slow to adopt new things. And then uh, some yeah, of the laws sure. that we have uh, on the books uh, related to the way we tax and stuff like that are like way antiquated. And we're following this old constitution that probably needs to just uh, be revisited so we can like kind of modernize our tax structure and that sort of thing. But man, tax structure, that's a boring podcast topic. So I'm going to just move us right along <laughs> from there. Um, <laughs> Belief in the topic. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about COVID, which has been going uh, relatively nuts here in Kentucky and elsewhere. Uh, but uh, Marty, I think you reported yesterday that half of our counties are in now what's in the red zone. What does that mean? Yeah, there's actually more than half. It's 68 as of yesterday. Of uh, back, right? back comparison, when I counted on Monday, it was 53. Um, and then last week it was a little over a third. So it's, it's the red zones are expanding rapidly within mm-hmm. the state. Um, most of the counties uh, around Jefferson County, including Jefferson County, are in the red zone. Uh, so Spencer, Shelby, Bullitt, um, Oldham is not. In fact, the only county surrounding us that's not in the uh, red zone. But red zone is what, it's kind of the critical category. There's four different zones. There's a green, yellow, orange, and red. And red is the worst. Um, and it's like 25 average daily cases per 100,000 residents is how they measure it. Okay. And it changes day by day because like Trimble County was in the green uh, one day and then the yellow the next. So it can, it can change pretty much overnight. But um, yeah, so there, you know, we went from, you know, a little over a third to more than half in just about a, less than a week or so. Yeah. And it's been bad in other states and other countries as well. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not just in the U.S. Um and it's not just in Kentucky. Yeah, I saw that Germany and another country is shutting down again. 
France, I don't know if they shut the down France, yet, but man, their France. their caseload is down. going nuts. Like that's yeah. Like if I you think look at the that, chart, they're worse like, than us, and it's like wow, somebody's worse than us. That's. that's I think it's that pandemic fatigue that they've been talking about. That mm-hmm. people are right. just you just you've been pushing the boundaries. Like, well, I I hung out with those people last week, so it should be totally fine to do it again. And like you mm-hmm. just keep like incrementally like pushing your boundaries until we're like back in a mess again mm-hmm. to where well, and be sure said something interesting yesterday that they're drawing most of the cases are being uh, kind of targeted in those small gatherings it's not like mm-hmm. super spreader events like those big events you're seeing in other states you know it's backyard barbecues and just get togethers and small parties and stuff so right the things uh, people think are okay and yeah. when they're doing those small boundary pushes that are Mm-hmm. incrementally incrementally adding up i think so so what is uh the governor uh recommending now as far as uh for uh counties that are in the red zone so yeah he put out a number of uh i think it's non-different recommendations and they are recommendations so they're not mandates um he said yesterday that mandates we have a ton of mandates and that mandates aren't the issue it's compliance is the issue so these are recommendations um it's some stuff we saw earlier in the uh the pandemic you know he wants people as many people to work remotely as possible um want to see non-government non-critical government offices go virtual while they're in the red zone uh, he's uh, basically telling you to do curbside or online shopping and do takeout or delivery mm-hmm. uh, at restaurants so basically stay out of the stores and stay out of the restaurants and bars mm-hmm. um, and then there's just some other things you know avoid private events don't host or attend public or private events uh, don't host, but he says no gatherings of any size. So that includes yeah. those under 10. 10. Um, and like I said, again, these are recommendations, but he's really been pushing these all week. Um, and, uh, you know, basically just the last one was just kind of limit your contact, stay home as much as possible, limit who you're around. And um, so it really feels like kind of a, a pullback to the original part of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think Brooke touched on it earlier. Uh, people have kind of just been, I think, just getting chill about um, some of the things we're supposed to be doing. I have, I know that um, I didn't talk about this until I wanted to make sure I didn't have COVID, but I went to uh, Texas. I flew, I flew on a plane and went to Texas and ate at a restaurant and did all the like, it was so 2019. Wow, <laughs> and, uh, David. And then I went to a wedding, which probably had 30 people there. And, um, and um, turns out like, Turns out someone at the wedding had COVID and I didn't like, I wanted to make sure I was okay. So I came back home, went back into quarantine and that was maybe about two weeks ago and, uh, and I've I've been fine. So I hadn't gotten tested or anything, but I have been, uh, you know, staying, staying away from people as a result of just doing all that. Um, the, the other part of that story is my wife had COVID and I was exposed to it. So I had a pretty good feeling that I, I, uh, I had already been exposed to it, so that's why I was like nuts enough to go do that. Um, but uh, you know, I think a lot of people have just gotten like I went to the airport and it, like there are just people going on vacation, you know, flying, go, going on trips. Um, it didn't seem like, other than the fact that everybody was wearing masks, it didn't seem like a pandemic was going on. Everybody was just kind of doing their their thing that they always do, um, and. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of people have been doing that, like Brooke said, 
backyard barbecues and and um and those kind of uh those kind of events have you guys been changing your behavior now that the surge has started or um i would say i've been pretty cautious this whole time um you know i'll see friends um but we'll do like outside hangouts only um and you know, say we're hanging out at someone's house. If someone needs to run in and use the bathroom, it's always a mask on. Um, and what I think that we need to do more of is mask wearing when we're around our, our people, you mm-hmm. know, um, a friend of mine was talking about, well, you know, we're not gonna be able to hang out outside during the winter. What are we going to do? And I was like, we'll hang out inside people's houses in smaller groups, but we got to be really diligent about masks, which is weird. It's Mm -hmm. weird when we're with Mm -hmm. our people wearing masks, Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable and we're not used to it. Um, But I think it's something we need to normalize until we have a, a a vaccine or a a plan to, you know, get rid of COVID. (laughs) So um, we really just need to normalize the mask wearing and, and, make it stop being so weird around our people. So yeah. Keep your spit to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Share everything among friends, but just not that. Yeah. And when I was traveling, I was with my family and we were, you know, we were, we were following the rules. We were like wearing masks, even if it was just three of us sitting together and like, you know, um, just because I think that you're like, you're right. Like you got to normalize wearing masks. Um, I think I we're to the point where we're normalizing it around strangers. Yeah. But, but like, you got to do it around, yeah. You got to do it around your people, which is weird and uncomfortable and you feel silly. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you're my friend. Like, you're, I've known you for 20 years and I'm wearing a mask. Like you would tell me if you, you were sick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you um, would tell me if you were sick. I would know if you were sick. So it's just like, yeah. until we can really get this under control, we have to be like, doing some things that are weird, like wearing masks mm-hmm. with people that we know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I was talking to my family about uh, having Christmas. I don't know if we're going to do that. Like, I think I might just be out on that uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and just say, sorry, we'll do it, you know, next year. Because like I said, I kind of like did something risky. I didn't think it was that risky. I mean, I was following the rules and everything, but I was like, well, I got away with it, so I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be good and follow the rules now. So, um, but uh, I do think that people kind of um, definitely have been getting laps since the surge started. I'm trying to shop less at, uh, you know, I used to run to the store, you know, kind of willy nilly. So as long as I got a mask on, I'm safe. Whatever. But yeah. I'm trying to do less of that now. Um, <laughs> Still not going to any restaurants or anything. Uh, yeah, I, want I haven't to. been to a restaurant uh, since March. <laughs> yeah, I broke my streak, but um, but I kind of like I, I I want to because um, you know I, I feel like you can be safe if you do it outside and you wear a mask, and it's like great weather for it right now. Well, it's a little chilly now, but like the last few weeks have been like great weather for it. But uh, but it has uh, I think. I think it's going to get bad. I mean, like you say, in the winter, just getting uh, getting inside and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're humans and we, we, we want to be around other people. Like it's something that we need as humans. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think we need to figure out safe ways to yeah. be around our people and other people. So. And it's especially dreary in the fall and, the, and now that it's getting like 
daylight savings time's coming up. Sun's going to go down at six o'clock. It's right. Like, okay. Like, kind of, it's kind of all depressing when that happens, mm. uh, at least at the onset of the pandemic. You know, it was springtime and like you know, you'd be out walking around, you'd see your neighbors, you know, right. socially distance, and, say hello, but you don't do that as much. That's a great point. You know, rolling into the fall and the winter where like we already have like seasonal depression, mm-hmm. it's going to be really important to find safe ways to interact with people because we're already facing that like uphill battle with that, you know, situation with seasonal depression. So mm-hmm isolating yourself isn't going to be the way to to make things better yeah, during this like, so really yeah just a, a perfect storm there so uh anything else you guys want to add on this topic i was going to say i'm going to try to host my parents and only my parents for thanksgiving mm-hmm. but we're going to all get tested before we do that that's, that's a good idea good idea yeah, yeah. we t- we proposed that for my family i actually have um my elderly grandmother and then uh one of my cousins actually had a kidney transplant since COVID started. Oh man. Um, so oh, she's been on the list for years and they were like, we've got a kidney for you. And she was like, COVID kidney. <laughs> um, so, and she's, she's older. She's um, in her sixties. So seventies uh, maybe. Um, so, so anyway, we're very careful around her. Um, but I actually went to the pumpkin jack-o'-lantern experience with her. We both wore masks in the car. Like she's, she's a physician also. So I trust a lot of her um, opinions on the things and she knows how to keep herself safe. So we wore masks and um, you know, I think that there are ways to interact with the people as long as you're safe. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Well, I'm going to move us on and we'll talk about another healthcare thing. And that is, uh, the state's uh, Medicaid contracts. Chris, you've been following this for uh, about 100 years now, I think. Um, it's been about 100 years on me. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long-running hullabaloo uh, regarding the, uh, <laughs> the contracts. Uh, who gets a state contract for Medicaid? Uh, basically, uh, the state hires healthcare companies to run the Medicaid program, uh, and they do that with these huge dollar contracts. And there's a lot of fight about who's getting the contracts this year. So, Chris, I'll let you take it on from there. But uh, what's what's the latest in this saga? Okay, so the latest is that the state of Kentucky is going to comply with a judge's order to give a sixth Medicaid contract. So what the state's been trying to do uh, ever since really December is try to set up a... A system in the state where there are five private companies to administer the bulk of the state's Medicaid program. Um, But there's been, gosh, there's been just so much going on with it. It's kind of hard to parse out in a, in a simple and clear manner, but the kind of the bottom line is this uh, Anthem is, you know, the major insurer, you know, that has plans all over the country did not win a contract. They had to bid for these. It was a, a competitive process, but they didn't get it. They didn't get a contract back in May. And there's a formal process where they're able to protest with the state saying that they think that there were mistakes made. Uh, They did not win in that process. And then they sued trying to get a judge pretty much to force the state to give them a contract or to have the state rebid the contracts a third time. Uh, so when Bashir came in, he actually undid the contracts that Bevan handed out after he yeah, lost the so election. So Bevan did That's the contracts once, then Bashir did the contracts once, and 
now they want a third one. So. Yep. But the latest is that the judge pretty much said the best thing for everybody, including the people in the program, the companies themselves that have to take care of these people is just to give Anthem a contract and just get on with the program because this decision, which happened uh, back on October 23rd, comes on the backdrop of open enrollment for Medicaid, which starts on the 2nd of November. So they got to get they got to get the contracts awarded. They need to let everybody else who wants Medicaid in the state to know that there's going to be six. And this thing's just got to get moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's there's another thing that might hold it up. <laughs> so Humana, a company who did get a contract, took that judge's decision to the Court of Appeals and wants the Court of Appeals to basically say, Circuit Court judge ruled in a way that was beyond his authority. Let's just kind of forget this whole thing or do what uh, these other things that Anthem wanted to do, which was rebid the process, rebid the contracts or uh, another one thing that Anthem wanted to do is kick out a specific contract winner, Molina healthcare, who they've raised specific allegations against in this whole process. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hefty, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Yeah. The Molina thing. And I'm saying this, not Chris, that is a juicy detail. What did Molina do? They hired someone from the Bashir administration prior to submitting yeah, their so, bid for a contract? So Molina Healthcare is a Long, Long Beach-based insurance company that exclusively focuses on what's called managed care. Those are healthcare plans that basically are either Medicare or Medicaid. So Medicaid's a state-level program. That's what's relevant here. In their bid process, they hired a woman by the name of Emily Parento, who was a former transition team uh, leader. She was the chair of the transition team for the cabinet for uh, health and family services. And they actually named her specifically in their bid that they had hired her to help them put this thing together, I guess, as a way to try to show the state that they were uh, really tuned into what the state really wanted to hear from its bidders. Mm-hmm. But Anthem is raising this as a concern in the fact that her, that hiring may violate the state's ethics code. Because mm-hmm. once you've worked in government, you can't work in the private sector in the similar work that you did for the government for about a year. Yeah. That's a simple part of that. But Anthem's taking that a step further and alleging that Molina had an unfair advantage because Emily Parento uh, signed non-disclosure agreements, which indicated she had access to materials that were privy and relevant to this whole process of trying to reaward the contracts. Yeah. Now, it's hard to say like where that is at and like what the actual um you know what what the actual facts in the case are because the deposition that they did in this case for Emily Printo is uh, been marked confidential so it's not going to be part of the pro- the public record the reason that they did that is because of you know there's a potential of uh, of trade secrets getting out and you know, the bottom line is that a judge agreed that that should be kept kept secret um but apart from you know, apart from that juicy bit, I mean, there's still other juicy bits with the whole Molina thing and their commitment or not to buying out Passport and building the $150 million headquarters in the West End. Yeah, um, so that's that That part of the story is very interesting. Basically, this person who was on Bashir's transition team hired by Molina and Molina gets a contract <laughs> with this person on their team. And uh, and Anthem cries foul and says that she shouldn't have been there. 
that that was a conflict of interest. Uh, so interesting story to follow. I'm sure we'll wrap all this up uh, with no problems at all. There's no way anything will go wrong here. Uh, I was just going <laughs> to sum up that whole story with dum dum dum. I've been reading. Uh, Chris has written a lot on this, several stories, and uh, I, I kind of my job is to to kind of read all the copy that comes through for our website and um you know i've been following this story it's been it's been pretty interesting to read about and the fact that humana is now suing that just makes it's just another wrinkle so uh anyway i'll uh i'll wrap things up there let's see here before we sign off uh do we want to go around the room wait a minute there was something else i was going to ask surprise question i love surprise questions go surprise Halloween plans. It's it's the day before Halloween. Um, so uh, I'm working at a drive-in movie tonight that's a fundraiser for a foundation that I'm a board member of. So that's going to be fun and very socially distanced. Um, stay in your car. There you go. Done. Um, and I love then, my car. <laughs> uh, and then I made the cutest little – I'll show you guys since we're on Zoom. You'll just have to imagine it uh, – for those of you listening, um, I made the cutest little treat bags for trick-or-treaters that I'm just going to set in a basket at the bottom of my steps and you can come up and get your little treat bag. They, they look nice. They have Reese's and Snickers in them. So. They have all kinds have of, they have the candy good candy. Tastes. Yeah, yes. uh, and I, I like searched high and low for the right bags and the right ribbon to tie around on the bows because, you know, I'm extra. Yeah. You're that's, an artist. You're committed that's to your a, craft. That's a Brooke thing to do. Um, Chris, Halloween plans? Are you going trick-or-treating? You got kids. So, so I think we're going to go trunk-or-treating at our church. Um, everyone's just going to park in the parking lot and throw candy into – I think we're going to have – instead of walking through, people are going to drive through, and you're just going to chuck candy through windows at children. <laughs> I want to do that. That's, liter- that's not literally what's <laughs> Maybe gonna, I'll just happen, launch my candy bags it. from my porch <laughs> at them. Yeah. If you have an like, upstairs window, you can just throw it down. Yeah. <laughs> Go That's on, it. Chris. Other than okay. that, like maybe watch um, like uh, Corpse Bride and Nightmare Before Christmas, mm. like some of the kind of classic, you know, kind of kids. They're not quite kids movies, but, you know, it's as close to scary movies as I can get as, as a dad. Yeah. I don't like scary movies anyway. I don't either. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Oh, but I love Halloween. Halloween's too. like my f- like favorite holiday right under Thanksgiving, but I don't like scary things. Uh, Marty, Halloween plans. Yeah, so we were going to do a drive-through trick-or-treating experience on Saturday. We have dropped out of that because my son is sick. He's on the mend, but he's uh, been running a fever this week, so we're going to stay in. But my wife had a really cool idea a few weeks ago. She started emailing friends and family and asked if they would send like care packages to our kids. Aww. So we have oh, a, that's nice. a huge haul of candy. I've seen some of it. And they're going to have plenty of candy. So we're, we're just going to come up with an interesting way to give it to them on Halloween. Nice. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it yet, but it'll be sort of how, trick-or-treating in, in our house. Almost maybe a... Just like knock on the seat. bathroom door and yeah. like, there you are, you throw candy at them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're going to figure out a fun way to distribute the, the goods, but that's the plan right now. Yeah, um, I actually hadn't thought about it. We don't get a lot of trick-or-treaters here, but I got a new neighbor and he's got a... a him and his wife have a little kid, so maybe they'd come by. I don't know. I'll set some candy on the porch. We get like one or two trick-or-treaters uh, all year. I don't know why. There's just not a lot of kids on the street, I guess. 
Um, or they just look at me and say, that guy's cheap. He doesn't have any good candy. <laughs> You've you yelled buy good get candy off my lawn year. like so many times throughout the rest of the year. They're like, oh, that's the, yeah. ho- that's, I ch- they're that's like, the scary Halloween house. <laughs> yeah. And I got signs that say welcome and a little pumpkin out there. It's, it's very, I don't know, very friendly, but no one ever comes by. Yeah. Um, my we have tons of kids in our subdivision. <laughs> Yeah, we only have a few, um, and they're kind of maybe older, like probably too old to trick or treat. But we do have, like I said, one a new neighbor here that uh, has a little one. So uh, I don't know if he's planning to go out trick or treating or not. It's it's a weird year, Uh, but maybe I'll just set some candy on the porch. Other thing, Halloween thing. I watched The Shining for the first time a few weeks ago. And how'd that go? It was so silly. I've seen that movie parodied so many times that I was just like, F it, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> and so we found it on American Movie Classics and we watched it. And um, like every parody you've ever seen of it, which I'm sure you guys have seen them and maybe didn't even know, because uh, there's just so many times that that movie's been referenced. That's where it's like, here's Johnny. Right? Yeah, here's Johnny. And it's Jack Nicholson. And, yeah. uh, and memed too. <laughs> what's that? It's been memes. Like once something's become a meme, like it loses all gravitas. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I don't know, it came out in 1980, so it already had like 80s silliness attached to it. Um, and then I like, so I thought that me and my wife watched it, and we both kind of thought it was silly. The little kid in it, um, the boy, their son, Jack Nicholson's son, um, he just he makes the freakiest faces. That's the only thing I would think that's scary about that movie. Is like he has this, you know, The Shining. She can commute. Uh, if I'm if I'm spoiling it, it's it's like thirty years old at this point, forty years old. Uh, but anyway, he can commune with other people with his mind, and he makes the freakiest faces while he's doing that. I would say that's the only really scary thing. Uh, the rest of it's like, I don't know, just kind of over the top silly. Um, I watched The Witches on HBO, the new Raw Doll, like the remake. Ooh. I'm not okay. I don't like scary things, and so I thought it was a cute little kids movie and. I'm like I watched it with other adults who are also still not okay after watching that. So just oh god, <laughs> that's way, right? Yes. I I've been my, I don't like scary movies, but my wife does, and she watches them all the time. So I kind of get sucked into a few of them. And um, we watched something called The Haunting of Bly Manor, which I think, oh on Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, like it's not that scary. It's actually kind of a it has like a sweet kind of side to it. But there is this like woman without a face, and I swear to God, nope, haunted me for like, <laughs> like I woke up and I like had a dream that my wife didn't have a face, and I was like, ah. But uh, uh, other than that, <laughs> oh my God, we got to wrap this show up. Uh, that's all we have for this week. We'll skip the social media handles because I've gone on way too long not realizing that we're running out of time. Uh, if you like what you hear. You can find us on popular podcast services such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Thank you very much, Marty, Brooke, and Chris, and thank you guys for listening at home. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.